Welcome to Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, a podcast dedicated to helping modern-day believers live out the teachings of the first century church. This podcast is part of the teaching ministry of Dr. David K. Bernard. Dr. Bernard has dedicated his life to studying the Bible and helping believers apply its message to their daily lives. In Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, Dr. Bernard answers your questions about what the Bible teaches and how those teachings apply to everyday life. Thank you for joining us for this broadcast. This Sunday, Christians around the world are going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And for Christians, the importance of the resurrection can't be overstated. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 14, that if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. But with all due respect to Paul, there are plenty of skeptics out there who would point out that the idea of a physical bodily resurrection from the dead is an impossibility and that the gospel accounts of this are a little more than fairy tales. If one of those skeptics was sitting across from you today, what evidence would you offer to support the idea of the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus? Well, first of all, there are many reasons, but uh, I'll address Christians and then I'll address skeptics. If you're a Christian and you believe the Bible is the word of God, then it's clear. Uh, It teaches in no uncertain terms that Jesus arose bodily from the dead in a glorified body. Now, if you are not so sure about the Bible and you want supporting evidence, well, let's talk about do you believe in God? If you believe in God, well, in principle, God can do miracles. So there's nothing impossible with the idea of resurrection. And if you believe in an afterlife at all, then there's going to be some sort of future resurrection. Uh, and if, it, if in the future, why not in the past? So in principle, if you believe in God or if you believe in an afterlife at all, there's nothing that would prevent the Bible's account from being true. And in our information aids, it's, it's interesting. We understand that information is non-material and that it can be transform, transferred from one medium to another. So like think of computer technology and and think of digital, various digital forms from CDs to disks to uh, hard drives. And so we are now understanding that that information can be in all kinds of forms. Well, think about human beings. What makes us human is that intangible information. So in principle, that could be transferred from one physical body that decays or to another physical body because what's essential about us is not our physical atoms but the configuration of information so from a scientific or technological point of view or information technology point of view in principle there's uh, nothing uh, shocking about the possibility of a resurrection to a transformed body or a new body the same person in a different and new medium, so to speak. But looking more practically, so let's say, okay, we have this Bible account and it's a historical account. Is it believable? And I would say absolutely, even on historical terms. If you posit that there is a God, he could do a miracle, then does the Bible sound credible at all? And and yes, for multiple reasons. First, we have multiple eyewitness accounts. So you have uh, Mary Magdalene, who was the very first, and It's interesting, but in the first century, women could not testify in court. So if someone were making up an account, it's highly unlikely that they would feature a woman first because that would that would be the least credible in their culture. So 
it's a little counterintuitive, but it's interesting that the fact that they did use a woman indicates, well, that must be what really happened. But of course, we're not just depending on Mary Magdalene, the other women, then the apostles. And then Paul says in 1 Corinthians, over 500 people saw the resurrected Christ at one time. And he makes the point that some have died, but most are still alive. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote 1 Corinthians. It's one of the first New Testament books, say, around A.D. 50 or so. So if, if that account was not true, you would think there would be many people alive saying, wait a minute, that's not accurate. On the other hand, if someone wanted to investigate, as Paul said, there were many people alive that they could go to them and ask them, what did you see? Did it really happen? So in a way that we can't do, the readers of the New Testament could go to eyewitnesses and ask them. Now, some have made a big deal uh, because the different accounts are slightly different. Actually, I think that enhances the credibility. If each account was exactly the same, that would indicate collusion. Uh, in, in a court of law, when you have witnesses that, uh, different witnesses that saw the same event, usually their testimony will vary. And I'm not talking about errors or false testimony, but People are telling the truth, but every person sees an event from his or her own perspective, certain things they highlight, certain things they ignore, certain things are important to them, certain things are not. So if you have a car accident, for example, and five people saw it, five people give testimony, their testimony is going to be a little different. Now, on essentials, it's going to be the same, but they're going to, it's going to be told from a different point of view. Well, that's exactly what you see in the four Gospels. You see multiple eyewitness accounts, but with the little variations of details, some things featured, some things omitted. That actually makes it more realistic and more credible. If someone was, was trying to manufacture it, they wouldn't have those little details that differ. But the fact that these are different eyewitnesses, it's exactly what you would predict. Now, not only that, but now let's think about uh, the apostles. So when Jesus was crucified, they were so afraid that they, they ran. The spokesman, the boldest one, the apostle Peter, he denied the Lord three times and cursed. Well, what changed them so that a few weeks later, the apostle Peter stood in front of the crowd on the day of Pentecost and said, you crucified the Lord. You murdered him. Well, why would he be so bold? The same crowd that a few weeks earlier said, crucify him, crucify him. What was to prevent them from turning on Peter and doing the same to Peter? So the frightened disciples were transformed into bold witnesses of truth. And they said, it's because Jesus rose, arose from the dead. And not only did they preach boldly, they were persecuted. And according to early church history, all but the apostle John died a martyr's death. Now, if the resurrection of Jesus didn't really happen, you, you, you would have had to have over 500 witnesses lying or being deceived. You would have the 12 apostles with Matthias replacing Judas who knew the Lord personally, intimately. They traveled with him. They ate with him. Uh, they, they knew him as a human being. For all of them to say, yes, we saw Jesus arise from the dead. Uh, Jesus had four half-brothers who didn't believe on him until after the resurrection. Uh, so what would transform these brothers if, if the eloquence and, and love and power and miracles of Jesus couldn't convince them, what more could convince them? Well, if you watched your big brother be crucified and then a few days later he came back and appeared to you, that could convince you. And so 
nothing could explain the radical transformation of the apostles, uh, the early believers, the brothers of Jesus. Um, and not so if, if this was all fake, you'd have, to have all these people colluding, knowingly lying. Now, you might suppose that for some reason, for fame, fortune, you know, maybe a group of people would conspire to collude, but to the point of execution. So they might perpetuate their hoax as long as they're making lots of money. But when it comes down to it, we're putting you in prison. Hey, we're going to execute you. I mean, that would be the perfect time to say, you know what? <laughs> I made this up. Would you let me out? And of course, the authorities would be more than happy to get their them to recant their tales. So what possibly could have made all these people turn from fearful, doubtful, sad believers who felt like they lost their mission in life to become bold uh, proclaimers of truth, even to the point of torture and execution by their own testimony, they had an encounter with the resurrected Christ. Now, many skeptics or historians, while they won't accept supernatural events, they, they recognize the force of that argument. So they come up with arguments like this, uh, Orthodox Jewish rabbi, Pinchas Lapid, who's a very respected scholar. He said, well, I think Jesus really did rise from the dead, like some of the examples in the old Testament. So he wasn't God manifest in the flesh, but somehow there was a miracle like an old Testament miracle because nothing else would explain it. Uh, other skeptics, they would say, well, it was hallucinations, but then they have to say it was mass hysteria. Over 500 people had to have a mass hallucination at the same time. So they try, they, so they can't deny that something incredible, radical happened that all these people thought they saw the resurrected Christ. So they're trying to come up with psychological and sociological explanations of how that could, could have happened. But those explanations seem even less probable uh, than, than the miracle itself. And so you have these multiple lines of evidence, the eyewitness accounts, the radical transformation of the apostles. Of course, you have prophecies of the Old Testament that are fulfilled in the New Testament as Jesus showed his disciples. And so it all fits together. And then finally, I would say we have the witness in our lives today. Countless people, millions of people have prayed to Jesus Christ and have had a personal encounter with him. If Jesus didn't really rise to the dead, they wouldn't have had those encounters. If they're praying sincerely to God, God could answer prayer. But when they pray in the name of Jesus, would God answer a false premise like that? But we have testimonies of people saved, healed, delivered, transformed. Their lives were changed, delivered from addiction by praying to Jesus Christ and saying they have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. So I think it's very credible um, if you're going to believe in God at all, if you're going to believe in the afterlife at all, then the testimony of the New Testament is very clear that Jesus did rise from the dead. And of course, that is the turning point of all human history. And that's the foundation of our faith today. Think about it this way. There are many religions in the world, but Christianity is the only religion that depends on the death and resurrection of its founder. So Buddhism exists, Buddha's dead. Islam exists, you know, Muhammad is dead. But Christianity claims that its founder rose from the dead. So if he didn't rise the dead, Christianity's false. But when we see the rapid expansion of Christianity, especially apostolic Christianity, 
of people baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues by their own testimony, their lives dramatically changed because of their faith in Jesus Christ, then that shows in reality what the Bible says is true, that Christianity is based on the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to this episode of Apostolic Life in the 21st Century. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a moment to give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. We also appreciate it when you share Apostolic Life in the 21st Century with a friend or family member. Finally, join us again next time as we look at how the Bible applies to everyday life.